0: today let's give it up for pastor good morning how's everyone doing this morning well i'm excited to be here as you heard i'm from texas actually originally from seattle area me and my wife grew up here our entire life and a few years ago we made the journey to uh, texas through some different means and directions the lord was giving us and uh, as you heard uh, me and matt have been um, pastor matt have been friends for Uh, I think it's 23, 24 years. It's been amazing. Um, I'm not sure if that was a subliminal message from uh, Pastor Matt that he's been in the doghouse for a long time or that was just a creative imagery that they can get for the video this morning. But uh, we we can just be praying for Pastor Matt and Pastor Kim for their marriage and uh, just that God would continue to bless them and help do great things of life. So... Um, Well, this morning, I I just considered honor and privilege of being here. I saw so many people i have known and seen over the years from different churches, different communities here in the area. It's amazing that uh, Pastor Matt and Kim heard the Lord and they obeyed God. That one year ago, they made the decision to plant a church in the middle of what was happening all over the world. And churches were shut down and churches were many times not sure what we were going to do. And so, can you just do, do this real quick? Would you just celebrate Pastor Matt and Kim and just for their faithfulness to honor the Lord and do what God put in their hearts to do? I think one of the greatest things that you as a church family can do is um, just consistently get behind your pastors, not only just through loving them and serving them, but to consistently pray for them to just do everything God does. I think in a generation in time, what we need more than anything is we need courageous, bold spiritual leaders. Okay, we got a couple people that believe that. We need leaders that are fearless that say, you know what, I know this is what God said, and this is what we're going to do, regardless of what everyone else is doing, regardless of what other people are making decisions on. As Joshua said it this way, he says, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And I love that this house is planted here in this territory, in this region, in the Pacific Northwest, which has seen a lot of darkness, a lot of chaos, a lot of, a lot of craziness over the last Uh, last seasons but you've made the decision to say you know what we're gonna be a bold and bright light for Jesus Christ in this territory and so I applaud you this morning for doing that for uh, we we need some some people here in the Northwest that will hold the fort down that will bring the kingdom of God everywhere they go not everyone's moving to Texas despite what many of our friends believe People say, "Well, is it better in Texas?" Well, I, I don't know. I know this is it's best for you to just hear God and do whatever God tells you to do. So, if that's to be planted here, then you be planted here. If that's to go to to a different country or some other place, you just want to obey the Lord. And so, I just applaud you for celebrating and doing what God asked you to do in this season. So, this morning, this one what I'm going to do. It may be a little bit different for some of you, some of you that are familiar church or been going to church for a while. Um, I felt like God just put a few things in my heart that I wanted to share with you, and so this morning, I'm going to preach from a passage that may be familiar from some of you, um, but this is what I want to do before I jump into uh, my notes. I'm trying to open my iPad. This is my wife's iPad, and so sometimes it decides it doesn't like me, even though we have the exact same password. Um but this is what I want to do. i want to just share a few things that I felt like I put in my heart specifically for this church. And then I want to jump into the message. This is what I want to encourage you as a church body with this thought. I believe that God has positioned you, and you can take this for what you want. But God has positioned you in a unique time and season of life to actually do something great for God. And I think all around us, we have all these impressions and all these things that are trying to get us to just be simple and try to be, get us to just be, be normal and average and just go through the motions. But I believe that God has positioned you as a church to be bold and bright like never before, for you to see God's kingdom and God's presence move. How many know that the Northwest needs a move of God? they need God to show up they need people to come that have hope and have healing in their mouth they need people that will come and carry the message of freedom and deliverance and I believe that God is positioning this church in this time in this season to actually be a church that will have influence in this territory and region do you believe that this morning and so this is my 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 heart behind saying that is I believe that God gave me this message for this church so you can be encouraged challenged and inspired to go out and live the call of God for your life amen if you have your Bibles we're gonna be in the book of Matthew this morning if you don't mind I'm just gonna sort of move this table here to the middle fact can I move it down here to the ground I don't know if that works for the cameras or not awesome that's great thank you so much Matthew chapter 17 if you have your Bibles we're gonna start reading verse 14 and this is what it says. It says, When they come to the multitude, a man came to him, kneeling down to say to him, and saying to him, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he's an epileptic, and he suffers severely, for he often falls into the fire and often into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. And then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why could we not cast it out? And so Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief, for surely I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you came to tell you this morning that when you believe God above everything else, you will see God work greater than anything else. Let's take a moment and pray. Holy Spirit, we just give you this room. We just say that there's not any room for any other spirit but the Holy Spirit. We just declare today that we want to hear your word and we want to respond, God, with great faith. So I ask God today that you would stir within us a desire to do all that you've put in our hearts to do in this season. In Jesus' name, amen. I believe this is a church that we're stepping into the greatest season we've ever seen as a church. I believe that this is a season that we will step into the greater than. That you'll step into what was greater than your past failure, greater than maybe past faults. That you'll step into the, the things that are greater than all the things that you've been going through or fighting through. You'll be stepping into greater than your financial troubles, greater than your pain, greater than the sickness or disease. That this is a season that you will see the greater of God. The Bible says in John chapter 14 verse 12, he's speaking to his disciples and he says, you would even do even greater works than these. You know what the world needs? The world needs a church that's greater than anything that's around them. And I think what we've done, though, is we've allowed the pressures of humanity, the difficulties of the daily life, and all the things that are voices and temptations and things that try to get us to be silent and quiet and remain just normal and average, and we've allowed those to dictate who we are. And yet Jesus didn't come to the earth, die on a cross, get resurrected from the dead, ascend to the heavens, pour out his Holy Spirit so we could be just normal people. So we could just come to church on a Sunday and sing some songs and then go home. And unfortunately, we can't cheer on the Seahawks anymore because they've lost Russell Wilson. No, just joking. But anybody else sort of grieving over that process? It may take a few more weeks to get over it. It's okay. Lord, forgive him for he knows not what he did. <laughs> and I think this is what happens as we go through life. And we find ourselves captured by all the things that are happening around us and what they do is they don't just keep us from loving god but they diminish our faith in god jesus comes here in matthew chapter 17 he was up on the mountain of transfiguration It was with Peter, James, and John, and he was transfigured. They saw the glory of God, and as he's up there, this man comes to the other disciples, the other nine, and they're wanting these disciples to cast out this demon. Now, what's interesting about this passage, we see is Matthew chapter 10, is Jesus gave them a commission to do it, to go out and heal the sick, cleanse the leper, raise the dead, and cast out demons. He literally said this, everywhere you go, my kingdom shall come. Everywhere you go, the effects and the reality of my kingdom show, show up. And so the disciples went out two by two, and they demonstrate the kingdom. In fact, we see later on in the Gospel of Luke, they come back, and they're like, wow, this is amazing. All these things happen. And he's like, that's awesome. But let me tell you what's more amazing is that your name will be written in heaven. And he goes out, and he challenges them to continue to go out and preach the gospel everywhere. So why do we find themselves in this moment in Matthew chapter 17, Unable to do it, and this is what I believe, and Jesus speaks to it. He says that they were a perverse and a faithless generation. This word perverse doesn't mean necessarily a perverted mind in the sense of some something related to unhealthy sensuality or sexuality, but it literally means this, to get twisted. It means to go through and get turned around. Some years ago, me and my wife went to uh, Europe, and we, as we got off the plane, you get a rental car and stuff, and they drive on the other side and they drive the opposite way. So you get a car, and we come out of the airport from the rental car place, and what greets you is a six-lane roundabout highway. Lord have mercy on my soul. Now, how many get confused with roundabouts just here, like the little one, you're like, I'm supposed to go that way, that way. So just imagine, you get in the car, and you have six lanes going from zero to 85 miles an hour on a roundabout highway, driving on the opposite side of the road that I'm used to, going the opposite direction. And this is sort of what it looks like. I know my destination's over there and I'm like, ah, I didn't make it. Ah, I try to get over one more lane. Ah, there's my exit. What happens is you go through things in life and they get you all twisted and disoriented and they get you discouraged and they get you disappointed and a perverse people become a faceless people. I believe that there's many people in this room and you've gone through things, not just the last two years, but you've gone through things and they got you a little disoriented. They got you a little confused. They left you disappointed, They left you filled with heartache, and you're not even really sure what you really believe anymore. Remember, some years ago I went to uh, the dentist. I've been the dentist since then, but some years ago I went. I just want to tell everybody, like, man, I went to the dentist this maybe twelve plus years ago, and I was there, laying back in the chair. Right, they're gonna. Fill a cavity, or put a filling in, and so on. There, and they lay you back. They put this, you know, thing in your mouth, and your mouth wide open. Ah, you know, and they got the, the the gas mask on there help you fall asleep and stuff, getting you all prepared. And uh, all of a sudden, my body starts having this weird reaction. Where all of a sudden, I feel like in about two seconds, I'm going to be in heaven. Like I'm here today, gone tomorrow. Like just gone. And the only thing is this, what makes it more difficult is I can't communicate. So the lady comes back to check on me briefly and she's like, how are you doing, sir? And I'm like, I'm trying to get words out, trying to communicate. How do I feel overwhelmed? Feel like I'm gonna pass out, feel like I'm gonna die. And so finally I pass out. They come back, see me passed out. And as I come to, all I can say, don't ever do that again. What happened is I had a bad experience. And so it took me some years to want to go back to the dentist. And I made a decision from that moment on. I no longer was going to believe in the dentist. I know it sounds crazy, but this is how life happens is we have bad experiences. And so we stop believing. So nobody in this room would say, you don't believe in God. You just don't believe. That he's good anymore or you don't believe he's gonna do a miracle in your life or he doesn't believe he's gonna be a provider you believe it mentally but you don't really believe it in your heart why because you've gone through some things and you got all twisted and disoriented and confused and frustrated and overwhelmed and you come to this place where you're like I don't know if I really believe So what I want to say as we talk about having faith faith is not a few things. Faith, first of all, is not an emotion or a feeling, yet it will move you. Faith is not simply a mental agreement to a set belief system or set list of truths. Faith is not a relinquishment of all things to this sovereignty of God. Whatever happens, happens. And faith is not simply believing For only our wants, hopes, dreams, and wishes. Getting a nicer house, better car. Faith is this. Faith is putting my trust in what will exist forever. Heaven and earth will pass away, but God's word will abide forever. Faith is putting my absolute confidence and trust in what he has said. Jesus uses this term most often when he's talking about faith and a person being faithless. And he says they had little faith or small faith. Anybody ever lose their keys before? It's probably almost everyone in this room, right? So you go and you have a place. You put your keys every single time, right? Your spouse knows you put your keys there every single time. And then you go and look for them the next day and they're not there. And you go and you look to your spouse or your kids, if you have kids. And you're like, did you take my keys? I didn't take your keys. Where do you put them? I put them where I always put them, right? And then all of a sudden, you're like, man, I can't find my keys. You're searching the house. You're ripping off cushions. You know, you're looking everywhere. You're panicked. You're freaking out. And you're like, I've lost my keys. But suddenly, all of a sudden, you're like, ah, yeah, actually, they were just in the coat pocket that I hung up from the day before, right? That's, that's usually the story for most of us, right? And then we just blamed our spouse. And then we're going to have a like, you know, session with like inner healing you know, going on and talk to our pastor and get counseling and stuff because we're like, had like this huge argument because we just put our keys in a pocket instead of a place we thought let me propose this you didn't lose your keys you misplaced your keys I want to say this and help everyone in this room I don't believe any person in this room has lost their faith but I believe many of us have misplaced it we put it in a place that it shouldn't be put. We put it in a place that we didn't think we put it. See, the question for you is not do you lack faith, but where is your faith? Where did you place it? Did you place it in God's word or did you place it in something else? This word faithless simply means this faith in what is less than God's nature or word. Being a person who is faithless is a person who has put their faith in what is less than. The reason why I say this is because I've grown up in circles and settings. Where faith is this idea, if I just muster it up, if I just pray hard enough, if I fast enough, and I do all the spiritual exercises, then I'll just grow in this massive faith, and I'm just walking around. It's this huge buff guy in the faith, and let me show you how much faith I have, because I have this huge mansion of a house, and let me show you this faith I have, because this cool, glorious car. Let me show you how much faith I have, because all the stuff I have. Let me say this, that's not the result of faith. You know what the result of faith is, is God's kingdom shows up when you actually believe. Believe his word. Faith is this reality. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. This is the reality, though, is you get to choose the evidence you collect. You can either collect evidence for why things are not working in your life, and you list all the reasons or you can collect the evidence of what God says about your life. It's your choice. And the evidence I want to have of my life is that I believe God. And so what I do is I collect the proper and right evidence, which is this. The one thing that's going to remain and outlast every single emotion, every single temporal moment, every single situation that causes me to go up and down, up and down. Person of great faith can become faithless though by putting their attention on personal circumstances instead of God's commandment. You could be a person of great faith today and then tomorrow be a person who's faithless. Why? Because you simply turn your attention off what God has commanded or what God has said and you now begin to move your faith to what circumstances say. Every day you and I have to wrestle with our faith. And what do we really believe? And some people ask some questions part of the journey in the church that we're at and helping people be pastored in this place of hearing God and hearing what God would speak about their life and one of the questions was um, Matt do you ever miss it and Matt do you, do you ever are you ever afraid that you don't hear God or you didn't hear God in that moment and this is a reality every one of us have to daily fight the faith journey No matter how much you grow in your faith or how much you grow in your Christian walk every day, you and I will have to fight this fight. In fact, Paul says it the way, it's a fight of faith. Second Corinthians chapter four, verse 18 says, while we don't look at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen, the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. That means this, what you see today is subject to change. What you feel today is subject to change. And if we guide and move and live and make decisions based upon what we feel and what we see, those things are temporary and passing away. But if I make my decisions based upon what is unseen, unchanging, unending, the one who is all knowing, who understands my beginning from my end, and I put my trust and my confidence in him, you know what happens is my life isn't like a roller coaster. My life is going from glory to glory. It goes from faith to faith. So what does it look like to have great faith or a faith in something that is greater than? We see in Matthew chapter eight, starting in verse eight, talking about a man who is referred to as a centurion soldier. He comes and he says, Lord, I'm not worthy that you would come under my roof. His, his, his daughter's sick or a servant's sick. He Says, but sp- only speak a word and my servant will be healed from a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. And when Jesus heard it, he marveled and he said, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. And this is the key great faith is always connected to God's promises, where little faith is concerned with man's problems and pains. I'll say that again great faith is always connected to God's promises where little faith is concerned with man's problems and pains. Let me say this, God's promises always come to pass. You're like, no, wait, how can you you say that? That's a pretty bold statement. Like I've had things in my life and it doesn't seem like they've come to pass. I've, I've believed and I've prayed and I've done all these things and it doesn't seem. Let me say this, as God's word does not change. Bible says that God is not a man that he should lie or the son of man he should change his mind if God has promised something according to Scripture and then has given you a promise of that according to what Scripture says I'm not talking about just coming up with hopes, dreams, and wishes but I'm talking about coming back to what the word Bible says the Word of God says we can anchor our confidence if he said it in Scripture it's true for my life it was true from that generation and it's true for this generation it doesn't change from generation to generation it's consistently faithful time and time again how do i know i know it firsthand me and my wife we were believing god for children for 17 years a long time And after many of those years i just got frustrated got tired disappointed in fact i was mad at god God, I'm serving you faithfully, I'm doing all these things, I'm obeying you, I'm, I, I, I'm trying to love your people, I'm preaching the word, I'm doing all these things, you do all these miracles for these other people, and yet God, you haven't done this, this is what the Bible says. And I remember a moment walking into my room at the house we lived here in, in Auburn area, and I shut the door to where, we, where I go and I pray, and it was during a lunch break, and I just remember at the top of my lungs, as soon as I shut that door, just yelling at God, God, I'm so mad at you. And you know what shocked me? Is the presence of the Holy Spirit walked into that room. I fell on my knees and I just began to worship Him. And in that moment, I knew that I knew that I knew that what God promised me, my wife, years ago, having children, that we would have children. One of the scriptures my wife held on to was Hebrews 11, verse 11. It says, by faith, Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed, and she bore a child because she judged him faithful who had promised. Fast forward after all those years of praying and being angry and hurt and frustrated in 2019, we adopted a little girl named joy and prior to that, my wife became pregnant. And so within three months, we had two little ones birthed into the earth that now are three years old that are running wild, crazy and giving us a run for our money. And Josiah, my little guy, was born at 11, 11 p.m. to confirm the faithfulness of a God who will keep his promise. I come to tell you today that you can hold on to God's promise. No matter how long it's been, no matter how difficult it's been, no matter how many times you failed and you said, said, God, I, just, I don't even know if I believe this anymore. I'm just going to give up on this. This is what I know to be true. God hasn't given up in his promise for your life. And if we continue just to put our faith in what is greater, which is God's word, and not in our circumstances or situations, I believe that you and I will see the fulfillment of God's promise in our life. This word faith is this word that means full conviction. It actually comes from the root word that means to wrestle with argument. Anybody ever wrestled with God? Wrestle with your emotions? Wrestle with your doubts? Can I just encourage you that's a sign that you're actually in faith I know I'm preaching way better than you responded that's a sign that you're actually in faith is you have a wrestle the moment you actually stop the wrestling match is the moment you chose to step out of faith and give up and so keep on wrestling Keep on fighting. Keep on contending. Keep on believing. It's one day, one week, one month. It's decades. Keep doing it. Why? Because God's faithful to his word. So how does faith come? How do we grow in faith? Faith comes when we encounter God in a daily time with him. This is the idea. Believing comes from beholding. And whatever you behold, you will become. So there's two things that you could behold. To become a person of faith that's greater than then, first thing is this: you should behold the face of God every day. Be like, what does that really mean? Let me break that down for you. Second Corinthians chapter three, verse eighteen says this: "But we, uh, but we all with an unveiled face, beholding as in the mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image, from glory to glory, just as the Spirit of the Lord." Beholding God's face simply means this: getting in God's presence every day and gazing upon him. it can simply be turning on a worship song and just adoring him because whatever you set your attention on, your affection will go towards. Like I don't feel it today. Come on, I didn't feel like it when I got up at 3.30 this morning to get on a plane to be here. I, I didn't feel it. In fact I want to hit the snooze button but I knew if I hit the snooze button I would miss getting to the airport and then I get miss getting on the plane and I'd miss being here so I, I had to tell my body to shut up body shut up you're not in control man of God rise up and sometimes that's what we do in the process of faith is we do what we don't feel like because we recognize when I see him I become like him and the more I become like him is the more I live like him in the earth and you know what the world needs there's world needs people that have faith. I'm just going to take a just a little st- stop there, pause there for a moment. You know what our world needs? Our nation needs, our government needs. You know what countries need right now? They need spiritual leadership. People that are not afraid to make the bold decision. People that are not afraid to make the righteous decision concerning things. You know what your neighbor needs? They need you to be a spiritual leader. They need you to be a person of faith. You know what your coworker needs? is needs you to be a person of faith. When you show up, even though you don't want to be there, and your boss is a jerk, you show up in your discipline, and you do the righteous thing and the right thing, and you live right before God. And you know what happens is your faith causes other people to be impacted. Your faith causes other people to change and transform. And it all starts with simply every day beholding him. The more I look at him is the more I become like him. I say this: Pastor Matt and Kim are amazing people, amazing leaders. But if you following God looks like simply you following them, you will just be another product of Matt and Kim. You know what you should be looking at? The one that's greater. One that's higher, the one that's more perfected. Any other man that you look at as the object of what it looks like to live Christian life fails into comparison of encountering him who's the perfect one. Who's unlimited in all that he can and desires to do. What we must do is be a people that daily look at the face of God through worship and prayer. Second thing that we need to behold is we need to behold or grab a hold of the word of God. There's a story about a woman with the issue of blood and the Bible says that this woman came after 12 years of having this this flow of blood, this 12 years of this infirmity in her life and she went to doctor after doctor and she didn't get better. In fact, the Bible says that she spent all she had on these doctors and she got worse. Yet she heard about a man By the name of Jesus, she said to herself, if I could just get to Jesus, I can touch him, I know I'll be changed. So she pushed her way through the crowd. She pushed her way through all the things of humanity, all the stuff that was trying to keep her from him. And she grabbed a hold of the hem of his garment. And virtue, life, power flowed into her body. and She was made well. For some of you, the key for you living in a faith that's greater than circumstances and situations is for you to push through. Whatever it is. Now now hear me because I want to make sure I communicate this from a gospel perspective and not through a self-help perspective. I'm not talking about just suck it up and overcome it. Just be a better person. Just deal with it. Life just stinks sometimes. No, I'm talking about pushing through all the noise, all the stuff, all the distractions, because you have one aim, one focus. I got to get to him. And if that's my aim, if that's my focus, if that's my desire, you know what happens? Is I'm not reaching for just another experience, but I'm reaching for the one who has the keys to eternal life. I'm reaching for the one who has the words of life. All these disciples were leaving and, 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 Jesus looks at them. Peter's like, Hey, you know, like man, all these people are leaving. And he's like, are you gonna leave also? And he goes, where else are we gonna go? Who else has the words of life? When we recognize that Jesus is the one that has all the words of life, we will push through everything and anything just to get one moment with him. One word from him changes everything. And I think what happens is simply the distractions of life are the greatest hindrance to our faith. It's not the devil. It's not demons. It's not some other thing. It's not some dog that comes in your yard and you want to kick that little thing out. Sorry for those little dogs that come in in your yards. Sorry, I just had a moment. Just had, just, I'm getting healed still. It's one word. One whisper from him people ask a question and they say these statements after we had children and we we're at church that was in the area and man, when people were bananas crazy after we shared the story and testimony because this, this church family was believing with us for years for the miracle in our life. And we had questions and comments and statements of like, man, this is what people said. They said to them this, you have such great faith. I said, you know what? It wasn't my great faith that accomplished this? It was my belief in His faithfulness that accomplished this. A person of great faith isn't a person that can prove their great faith by what they do, but by what He has done. And when we recognize it's about God's faithfulness to His word, and not my faithfulness to doing something. We will stop striving and pushing to try to make something happen. But I will strive and push to simply do as the Bible says, enter in to his rest. When I live in the place or the position of rest before God, that all of his words are true and every other word is a lie. I can have confidence in this, that God will do what he said he will do. And this woman, when she grabbed a hold of the hem of the garment, which represented the word of God, these tassels that were on the priests and tassels on people that when they would go to pray in the, the Hebrew culture that go to pray, these 16 and 13 knots on these tassels which represented the 613 laws in the word of God. What she was saying is this, my only hope is if I can get a hold of the promise of God. Your only hope is not another service. Please come on Sundays, come anytime, doors are open, party small group, but that's not your hope, that's not your lifeline my only hope isn't another great moment but my hope is if i can hold on to god's word second thing people said about us is like wow it's happened because you're just such faithful people god was just so proud you guys just held on for so long man you're just you've done so many great works for the kingdom and you've just done so many God doesn't reward us because we've done so many great things for us. Let's be honest. None of us have done enough good works that Jesus is like, oh yeah, you're just a really good person. You've done 101 good works today. Now I'm going to pull the slot lever of heaven and I'm going to pour out my blessing on you. But this is what we believe. And yet the reality is contrary to that. God is faithful not to man, but God is faithful to his word. Isaiah 55 says this, so shall my word go from my mouth, and it shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing which I sent it. John 11:40 40 says this, did I not tell you if you would simply believe, you would see the glory of God? See, faith is not ignoring facts and feelings. Got to stop there. I know we, 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 if we've been in church culture, we've heard this well if you're just in faith don't do if you're in faith don't do and don't confess and don't claim I love the Bible says the Bible says this if you have sin confess it to one another where did that scripture go when we were talking about not confessing any of the struggles or issues or temptations or challenges in our life faith is not ignoring facts or feelings But exalting the truth of God's word, which is greater than all of those things. I think what we have to do is we have to make a decision. What is our faith going to be in? Is our faith going to be in what is lesser than? Or faith going to be in what is greater than? God's word. Some of you in this room, you're like, but I got big things I'm believing for. I I need a miracle in my life. And I mean a miracle in my physical body I need this to happen. And so what we think is we have to grow our faith. What's interesting about scripture is a couple references about faith that get misquoted misrepresented come from this passage talking about faith as a mustard seed. And most people say it's faith like a mustard seed or faith like a mustard seed and they reference the size of a mustard seed being small, then they talk about how you have to grow your faith. But let me just say this. It says faith as a mustard seed. It's giving a comparison as faith and a mustard seed. It's not comparing size. It's actually comparing the quality that when you take a mustard seed and you plant it in the ground, according to scripture, it becomes the largest of all seed bearing plants in the garden. This is the idea of faith, that when you plant it in the word of God, it will continue to grow and it will always produce fruit in every single season. Psalm chapter 1 says this, you're like a man planted by the streams of living water where you bear fruit in all seasons. And in any seasons you will never wither and you'll never perish. Why? Because when your faith is in the word of God, the word of God always produces fruit in your life. You're like, but I got this big thing. I just got this huge thing and it's just gigantic. I don't know if God can do it. And I know he can do it, but like, does he really want to do it? So what we do is we feel like I got to add a little extra to it. And so what we do is we add our spiritual components to our life, thinking those spiritual components are going to make sure somehow God now rewards my big or my grown faith with the result or answer. It's interesting, Jesus, when he comes, and he heals Peter's mother-in-law who has a fever. He just says, get up to her. Yet he comes to Lazarus who had been dead for days now. And he just says, get up, Lazarus. No different. We didn't see Jesus out there shouting and yelling. Okay, come on, worship band. Get it going. Get it going, worship band. I need a little bit more presence. I need a little bit more. Come on. On, more of those drums. Get those drums going. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Like he wasn't having to stir anything up to get a greater miracle to happen. He simply believed what the Father said, and he simply did it. So, raising a person from the dead was no different than healing a person who had a fever. It was the same faith that raised the dead was the same faith that healed the person who had a fever this is what i think we think somehow our situation is different and it requires something a little extra how many love the movie star wars the old school ones grew up on those there's a scene where uh luke Skywalker's crashed his x-wing into the bog he's looking for yoda finds yoda and he wants to learn about the he wants to learn about the force he wants to become a jedi so he's in this place and he's Standing on one hand upside down, stacking rocks, right? And all of a sudden the X-wing goes into the ground, goes into the, the, the bog, goes into the water there, and he looks up and he's like, Ah, oh, we're never gonna get it out now. And Luke's and Yoda responds to him, and he's like, So certain on you. And he says, Master, moving stones is one thing. This is totally different. And Yoda says, No different, only different in your mind. You must unlearn what you've learned. And then Luke says, Okay, I'll try. And then <laughs> you're like, Where was I? Man, that was preaching revelation. Thank you, George Lucas. You were getting caught up in the heavens. He says, No try, do or not do. There's no try. This is the challenge where many of us find ourselves. We're trying faith. I'll try believing the Word of God. Ah, it's hard. Ah, it didn't work. I prayed four times and it didn't happen. And you fill in the blank, whatever your situation or equation is. And what we do is instead of just saying, I'm committed to believing God's Word no matter what, we try one day and stop trying the next day. We try one day and then stop trying. Try four days and then stop trying. We try when we come on Sunday and then it's hard on Monday. See this is the challenge for us to believe faith is not striving for something but it's resting in the truth that something has already happened. It's a complete trust in the finished work of Jesus on the cross and when we believe that he's completed it I don't add anything to it. Maybe you've heard this statement before Jesus plus nothing equals everything. You know what you simply bring to the equation? God, that's what you said? Okay, I believe it. And that's the key for our life. Our life is summarized up in this one thing. Do you believe what God said? Why is it we can believe Jesus died on a cross, hung between two thieves on a cross, was buried, and three days later rose from the dead, now sits at the right hand of the Father, and he's praying, interceding, waiting for you. You that one day you're going to come there, and yet we're having a hard time believing whether your child is going to get saved and come back to Jesus. I, I mean, do you see? Like, we believe the Holy Spirit came upon a young woman, impregnated her. The Christ was born, lived a sinless life. We believe these things. This is the message of the gospel. This is what we believe. And you're like, ah, God, I don't know if you can do that. I know it doesn't make logical sense when we say it that way, but that's what we're doing every time we choose not to believe what God has promised to us in Scripture. But this is where faith is activated, is when you begin to say it. And I propose that this morning, many of you start moving or living a life of faith, and then you sabotage it by you saying something else. So you're walking out this faith journey and then all of a sudden your ankle hurts. Like, ah, these bad things just always happen to me. Is is that what you believe? I can never get a break in life. And so we start confessing something different that's contrary to what the word of God has said about your life and you're doing this back and forth motion. Jesus said to this, because they were asking, why could they not do it? Why could they not produce the results of the kingdom? And he said, because of your unbelief, or could we say because their faith in what was less than? He says, if you have faith as a mustard seed, take faith and plant it in the ground. You will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. One of the things we maybe have to settle in our heart, we believe what this says. If you can say to this mountain be removed, cast in the sea, and it will be done and nothing will be impossible. Or we just believe, you know, maybe certain things are possible. Because if we believe that, you know what we're doing? We're actually just believing in ourselves. We're not believing in God. Your saying invites God to start working. And he responds not to your wants, but he responds to his word. I want to end with this thought, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 13. Paul saying this to the church of Corinth, which was going through a difficult time, many divisions, conflicts. He says to them in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 13, he says, and since we have the same spirit of faith, Another way this can be translated since, is, since we all have the same common faith according to what was written, I believe that, and therefore I spoke. We also believe and therefore we speak. I believe the key for us to live a life in this season of a faith that is greater than, maybe it was COVID in the last few years, but maybe in the next season it's something different. Maybe it was a difficulty in your marriage in the last season, but maybe in the next season it's going to be something different. It really doesn't matter what the difficulty is. Is if you believe that your faith is in the word of God, you know what will come from your mouth? is the word of God. And God's word, it doesn't return void. I've seen time and time again from things that seem small and insignificant. Thank God, I would like that. Would that be something you would want for my life? I asked the Lord some, some months ago about something. I just said, God, this is what I'd like. If this is something you'd like me to have, and if it is, then do this. And literally two hours later, someone sends it to me. I don't even know this person. What am I saying is when you put your confidence and trust in what he has said, you can speak his word and his word will keep on working day in, day out in your life. There's people in this room today and you're saying, you know what, I'm I'm in need of a miracle. I'm in need of God's touch in my life. And I wanna say this and I don't wanna diminish anyone's faith or I don't wanna make you feel like somehow what you're going through right now is small. But I wanna say this, that God in his goodness is allowing you to wrestle. Not to teach you something about wrestling, but to produce something through you through the wrestling. I have a place of faith in my heart and in my life because the 17 years we wrestled and believed God for children. There's people today that I know, doctors said, you will never have children. One woman, you don't have the body parts to have a child. And yet through me and my wife's 17 years of wrestling and contending for our children, God allowed us to walk through a place that we can partner with where they were at and just be able to say, in Jesus' name, be healed. One of my close friends, who has two children today, even though the doctor said to his wife, you will never have children. Maybe what you're wrestling through is not just so you can have faith to get your result, but maybe what you're wrestling through today is that so you can have faith that generations would have results. You know what the Northwest needs is a people of faith, a people where God's presence shows up, People that when you pray, God God moves. Miracles happen. Things change. I came all the way from Texas to tell you this this morning. If you believe in a God who's greater than everything else, then you can see all the things that are inferior begin to be removed and God's word work in your life. That's what I want us to do this morning. I want you just to stand to your feet where you're at. And if you're in this room this morning, you're saying, you know what? I've been wrestling with my faith. I've been wrestling with believing God for a certain thing. I've been wrestling with believing God just in my life in general. That's what I want you to do. I want you, there's no shame in this, but I just want you to lift up your hands to the Lord. And I just want you to say, Holy Spirit, I want you to just come and fill me with a faith that would move mountains. God, open my eyes up to see the way that you see. Open my heart up to feel what you feel. And we just say, Holy Spirit, we invite you to come. Lord, I declare all across this room, let the Spirit of the Lord begin to move. Let the Spirit of the Lord just begin to, right now, I just hear the Lord saying, he's whispering to some of your hearts about what he's wanting you to believe for. In fact, sir, what, what, what was your, is your name, is this your name Tino? If you look at my notepad I wrote down fifth row on the left-hand side first person first chair and I felt the Lord said that person I was gonna do a miracle in and I just felt like the Lord said that he's doing a miracle in things that you believe for And what I saw is I saw the Lord coming and putting his arms around you the Bible says that he's like this this mother hen that comes and guards his chicks I just felt like the Lord says, you're in a place that you can find safe refuge, safe protection. And then I heard the Lord saying, tell him in this season, what felt like a challenge and a pullback actually is something to propel him further. And I felt like the Lord says, I'm gonna give you new ideas, new wisdom and new insight to propel you forward in this next season. And the things that you felt challenged with I felt like the Lord says you've been challenged even with these these decisions on what to what decisions do I make and I felt like the Lord was showing me specifically is that he's gonna give you wisdom that's only going to advance you you don't have to have any fear of making the wrong decision would you do this just put your hands out for me like this and I just say Holy Spirit just come fill Tino with your presence I heard the Lord say, no worries, no worries, no worries, no worries. So, Lord God, we just speak to all anxiety. Lord God, even right now, I see burdens lifted off you. see burdens and weights. Uh, The Lord says this, cast all your cares on me, for I care for you. Is there someone in this room in... You have a child that's sick in need of a miracle. Does that make sense to somebody? If that's you, just just sort of wave your hand like this. You have a child in your family, sick, and they need a miracle. Wait for just a second, is there anybody? There's people in this room and God's healing you and touching your body. Someone here and I wrote down they had a leg injury, and I just felt like God's going to heal somebody. If that's you, you know what you do? The greatest way to partner with the Lord in faith is just to say thank you, just to say thank you. It's just a way of just opening our hearts wide to the Lord, just saying, God, thank you. If you have any physical pain in your body, there's someone here and you have a disc that's injured.